The information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not contain or constitute and should not be interpreted as any form of medical advice or opinion. You should always seek the advice of your healthcare provider about any questions or concerns that you may have. Welcome back to the Unfiltered podcast. This is episode 30. In today's episode, Lucien a registered counselor and narcissistic abuse specialist will answer these five questions from our community. 1. How can I start building trust for myself after being gaslighted for so long? I hate the feeling of self-doubt. I waste so much of my day just trying to prove my reality to myself. How can I start to change this? 2. Why do narcissists disrespect boundaries? 3. I'm living with a narcissist right now. What are some of the signs that I can look out for that indicate he is about to experience a narcissistic injury? I guess what I'm trying to ask is what causes narcissistic injuries? Maybe if I know the cause, the signs will be easier to spot. 4. The narcissist in my life always complains how we are not close enough, but then if I do try to come emotionally closer to him, he withdraws shuts down or refuses to talk. I have pointed this out to him, but he denies it. I would like to understand why they do this. Claim to want to be intimate with me, but then withdraw when I do try to be intimate with him. Is he manipulating me or is he incapable of being intimate with me? 5. My narcissistic ex has found a new supply. Should I warn him about her behavior or is it just going to backfire on me? I have heard many people say not to warn the supply because the narcissist probably already manipulated them into hating you. Is this true? Do narcissists try to discredit us so we can't expose them? Hi Lucian, thank you for joining me today. It's nice to speak with you again. Hi Juliana, yes, nice for me too. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> That's nice to hear. And let's get started with the questions. So the question number one is, how can I start building trust for myself after being gaslighted for so long? I hate the feeling of self-doubt. I waste so much of my day just trying to prove my, just to, uh, I waste so much of my day just trying to prove my reality to myself. How can I start to change this? Mm-hmm. This is something I hear all the time probably from most clients I have, because they have been gaslit for so long that they no longer have any faith in themselves and they're always doubting themselves. Um, and the, the first thing I always say is that you've looked after yourself really well all this time, despite all the other things that have been going on in your life, you have still managed to do, you must be doing something right because you're still here even now after all that stuff you're still here so whatever you're doing you're doing something right so um and also um it's helpful if you can gather evidence it's sort of this is probably quite cbt it's gathering evidence to prove to yourself all the things that you do well or the things that you've accomplished or if you've helped somebody, you've done something well. It's just noticing the positive things that you do, or you are, or you say, or whatever. You know. So rather than looking at the neg, we're all very good at saying, oh, I did this wrong and I did that wrong. But if you actually look out for the stuff that you do that's good and 
you know, we all do nice things without realizing and, um, you know, accomplishments. So if we just, just sort of, yeah, just gather the evidence about all the good things that we do, the positive things that we do. One of the reasons why Lucien's point of looking for evidence that tells that you are doing great is because it forces you to challenge your thoughts. And the reason why challenging our thinking patterns and thoughts is so important is because from time to time we all have cognitive distortions in our thinking. According to Upper Dictionary of Psychology, cognitive distortion is a faulty or inaccurate thinking, perception or belief. Cognitive distortion is a normal psychological process that can occur in all people to a greater or lesser extent. Next, I want to share with you nine of the most common examples of cognitive distortions. Number one is polarized thinking, and this is called the all or nothing or black and white thinking. And this occurs when you think in extremes without considering all the possible facts in a given situation. For example, you might notice yourself thinking that the people in your life are either good or bad and nothing in between. Number two is overgeneralization. And in this cognitive distortion, you view a single event as an invariable rule. So that, for example, failure at accomplishing one task will predict an endless pattern of defeat in all tasks. Number three is catastrophizing, and this is when you assume the worst. And people who have suffered childhood trauma or many adverse events in their life might engage more easily to this cognitive distortion. Number four is personalization, and this is when you take things personally, even in situations when they are not linked to you in any way or caused by you. For example, blaming yourself constantly about the things that you had no role in is personalization. Number five is mind reading, and this is when you assume that you know what others think about you. Number six is mental filtering, and this is when you exclude all the positive things and only notice negative aspects. Number seven is discounting the positive, and this is a little bit similar to mental filtering, but here you might not completely exclude the positive things, but you dismiss or ignore them. For example, if you do succeed in something and you say it's because you were lucky and not because you are skilled and smart, this is an example of discounting the positive. Number eight is emotional reasoning, and in this cognitive distortion, you have a false belief that your emotions are the truth and that the way you feel about the situation is a reliable indicator of reality. And here it is important to validate our feelings and emotions, but it is also important to be able to look at the situation objectively. The last one, number nine, is labeling. And this is a cognitive distortion in which people classify themselves in a negative way. For example, you might notice yourself reducing yourself or someone else to a single, usually negative characteristics, for example, a failure. And the reason it's important to know about the different, different cognitive distortions is because once you are aware of these, you can more easily notice if your, self, if your self-doubting thoughts fall under any of these categories of cognitive distortions. Then it becomes easier, easier to adjust yourself and thoughts when you know exactly what you are dealing with. For example, let's say you notice that your self-doubting thoughts fall under the category of mind reading. You, for example, assume in your head that other people think that you are annoying, stupid or boring. 
Once you notice that this is mind reading, you can more easily challenge this thought. You can ask yourself, since it's impossible to see inside someone else's mind, what evidence do I have that indicate that people do think that I'm annoying, stupid or boring? Or you could ask yourself, what evidence do I have that people do not think like this about me? It takes more effort and energy to challenge your thoughts like this, but by challenging the thoughts, you are essentially putting a stop to a negative internal exactly. dialogue, which is the only way you are able to tackle the self-doubting thoughts you have. And even as well, you're right, even when you do something by mistake, you have some terrible mistake that you've done. But then you can praise yourself to afterwards. Oh, but I did recover from that because I, you know, if I fell over, I stood up again and, you know, um, I continued with my life or whatever. You can, there's always something positive. You just have to think about how to turn it round. But mm. there's often just something, because, you know, bad stuff happens to all of us, doesn't it? It's just how we, you know, get up and carry on doing whatever we're doing. And, you know, um, so, yeah. Exactly. Um, that, is, that is so good point that uh, even though you've maybe maybe failed or and well, for example, there is different, you know, everyone, I think everyone has a little bit different perspective. What does failing mean to them? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone is automatic yeah. that we go, oh, no, I'm rubbish. And oh, that yeah. was terrible. But actually, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we have different perspectives. What is what is failing? And like you said, that you if you notice yourself that you still were able to move on from it, then you can then also think about, well, what did this failure, like failing, um, you know, teach me like? Exactly. So I always think that something good has to come out of something that, that, you know, that happened that wasn't quite so good, but something good always comes out of something. Mm. <laughs> you know, even if it's been something terrible, there's always some good that comes out of it. You yeah. just have to look for it. Yeah. So, I think there are a few more things to this. Um, another thing is just it's about treating yourself nicely, about being kind and caring and loving to yourself. Because when we've been when we've had a whole lifetime of being gaslit, um, we we tend not to value ourselves at all. We put other people in front of us, and they're more important, and we're just not worth anything. So just by being nice to yourself, it can give you a sense of, oh, I am actually worth something. I'm worth doing this. I do have some value, you know, and just silly things, you know, like having a nice bath, spending five more minutes in the bath. I don't know, some bubble bath, put on mm. some nice music, have a bit of a dance, just something silly that you enjoy doing. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> just have 10 minutes of enjoy doing something nice for you. If you like going out for a walk, great. If you like going out for a run, just something nice for you. It's just you, your way of showing yourself that you care about yourself. Mm. You know? mm. Exactly. So. Like, and especially if you have been in a narcissistic relationship for like so long, it's it also means that you likely haven't been validated at all. Let's say you have a negative thought, you have a self-doubt thought, one thing that you could do as well is that you actively practice to validate your own feelings to yourself. Let's say you say, 
like let's say your friend comes to you and they have those self-doubting thoughts a good friend is going to validate them a good friend is going to say oh well yeah i do understand why you like i understand why you feel like that but have you considered your situation or this situation from this point of view or you could do this and like even though that something happened in the past it doesn't mean that now in this situation it's going to happen again and yeah. like stuff like that and if you are have been in a narcissistic relationship uh usually like let's say it's a romantic narcissistic relationship usually that your partner you you would in healthy relationship you can go to your partner and you can share your self-doubting thoughts you can be like hey you know i i like i'm doubting myself in this and you can share that and then your healthy partner is going to be you know the good friend example it's going to be the they are going to be the good partner and they are going to validate your thoughts and feelings but if you have been in a narcissistic relationship you have probably noticed that you can't do that like yeah. there are many many reasons why you can't do that but the bottom line is that you can't do that or if you do it you probably get invalidated or exactly. for example like it, it's like it's awful like if you go to someone and you have self-doubting thoughts and you share them and then for example they ignore you or they just yeah. look at you and they don't say anything <laughs> like... or they use it as ammunition later against mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. exactly yeah like that yeah. Though, there are so many bad scenarios that can happen from that so that's why you need to learn and you need to actively decide that okay well i'm gonna validate myself like mm -hmm. at least for like start with that because many people may be after they have been out of narcissistic relationship they might notice that they don't for example have those good friends anymore around them yeah and uh, when you are feeling very low, it's very hard to get friends because your energies could be like a little bit depressing. You don't have the energy to like create new connections and etc. So that's why it's so important that you first just try to validate yourself and get a like kind of get rid of those self-doubting or not rid of. They probably are going to always be there or some kind of like we all get self-doubting thoughts, but yeah. you learn how to manage them by yourself. So then it's like. I think then, uh, of course, it's always a good idea if you have a good friend to, you know, turn to like uh, talk to them. But we always, not all of us have good friends. Like that's also yeah. a fact. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's always better as well to to pick, rather than depending on other people. So getting an external source to validate you, if you can possibly validate yourself and value yourself and know that you are worthy <laughs> you know know that you have worth then you don't need to depend on anybody else and that's the best uh you know way of all if you can actually value yourself yeah yeah so yeah it takes I, time mm, yeah i'm practice. sure it takes time like it's it's a it's a hard thing to do especially yeah like you might like now think and listen to this and be like yeah it makes sense like i'm gonna do that but often when you are in the moment yeah, <laughs> you exactly. don't remember yeah. it yeah. or you remember it but it just <laughs> feels like nah, like yeah. I, I can't do yeah. it or something like that yeah and maybe this is where as well you know sometimes writing affirmations on your bathroom mirror uh just writing little things just to sort of give you a, a bit of a kick remember this you know, and just to, you know, an affirmation that's something nice about yourself. Mm. Um, and even if you don't believe it to begin with, eventually after repetition, 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 it does go in, you know, slowly but surely. Mm, yeah. And one, one tip that I heard is that when you 
create those affirmations yourself uh for yourself uh it's like if you feel like okay i don't quite believe this then you should just try to make affirmations that are honest like let's say that mm, what would be a good one like um like an affirmation that uh i'm i am um hmm but so something like, <laughs> it's, it's quite hard i'm trying to think of something that's honest honest but like something like like i i see myself being able to be this but i'm not quite there yet but i'm making sure that i like work towards my goal every single day or yeah. i work towards my goal today or something yeah. like that you and then immediately that might sound more natural or more better to you compared to i am amazing or yeah. you know <laughs> stuff yeah, like that not, yeah i think it's that most of us are very nice lovely lovely people so that to me even if you're not maybe you're not the best beautifulest whatever person on the planet it doesn't matter we're all nice people you know so even just starting with that i'm nice i'm kind i'm caring um you know i don't cause harm to other people all these sort of things that we just are mm. um you know those i think most people are yeah yeah that's that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and as, and if you find yourself even doubting that like let's say you're saying to yourself i'm a nice person and then you are like uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> then you could you could prove that to yourself doing something very small, like calling your, I don't know, grandparents or helping someone. Yeah. Like you see someone and you open or hold the door open for them. That's nice. Like you mm -hmm. can't say that's not nice. <laughs> like, exactly, yeah. like, and again, just gathering that evidence, isn't it, to prove to yourself that you are nice. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. That that uh, goes well to your, you know, the. That was the first thing that you said that gather evidence so yes yeah yeah there's a i've just wrote as well here um to record these things so to write them down um you know notice these lovely things that you're doing or that you say or whatever and then write them down and um, this is a way to because later on you might think oh well did i do that or was that me and if you have it written down then you know that's it so mm. that again it's just another way of collecting evidence really Mm -mm. Yeah. and it, it really depends like uh, what kind of people we are also from uh, like uh when we think about our personalities so someone ca could be like like naturally their way of thinking and remembering things could be that they often remember the negative things and they fail to notice the positive things so mm -hmm. if, if they feel like that about the world let's say they always notice negative things and not the positive it's quite likely that that's goes uh that's the same when they look at themselves as yes, well so yes exactly especially if you've had a lot of trauma in your life then we're we're sort of wired then to look out for all the negative the scary you know things that are going to cause us harm so it, it takes a lot of calming the whole system down um, and and like actively trying to notice the positive things in the world not only about us but about the world in general mm. Mm. So, yeah. Great. Well, i was going to say one more thing about this um is another thing is to be in the present moment as much as you possibly can so if you're actually so even if you're washing the dishes that's the most boring thing um if you most of us have got dishwashers so anyway if you're washing something in the sink even just by 
focusing on it and saying to yourself, right, okay, I'm, I'm washing this just now, I'm using the soap, I have the water. But just being in that present moment, um, that helps to log it into our memory as well. So then it's sort of a bit more difficult to then doubt, oh, well, did I do that or not? No, we did. I remember being in that moment doing it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. Great tips for this question. So let's go to the second one. And that is, why do narcissists disrespect boundaries? Mm -hmm. This, I think, is mainly because of their lack of empathy. <laughs> because, of course, if somebody uh, puts up a boundary and says, OK, uh, I don't want you to do this to me anymore because I hate it when you do that and it really upsets me. So please don't do that. If you have no empathy, it, it doesn't really affect you, does it? Because <laughs> you're like, oh, well, because, you know, you're just thinking about your needs being met. Um, so the other person's feelings doesn't really come into it. So it's impossible for us who have empathy, it's impossible for us to even consider how that could feel. Because I think it's just innate in us that we are empathic and that's how we are. You know, um, so yeah, so also, so it's just, you know, they wouldn't, a narcissistic person is just not able to think about how the other person feels or what's going on with them. It's all about them. That's it. So it's sort of impossible for them really to understand what it's like for the other, for the other person, you know, which is why it's so easy then to just disrespect their boundaries because most of us if, if if somebody were to say to me okay don't you know call me after eight o'clock tonight and then if I were to call them at 10 o'clock I would know that I'm going to annoy that person so I would feel bad for making that person feel bad <laughs> you know um, whereas a narcissistic person won't they won't mm. have any you know so what they want to talk to you at 10 o'clock so that's that phoning, you know? yeah yeah i think that is lack of empathy yeah they are unable to put themselves into the other person's shoes who is asking to or asking them to respect the boundary yeah makes so, sense yeah. But it's also that you know sometimes they have a sense of entitlement as well so again i want to speak to you it's midnight and i want to speak to you so that's that you know, I'm going to phone you at midnight. I don't care if you're asleep. I don't care. So, mm. Because they want. And that's mm. that. Yeah, it's like, yeah, they don't see the other person as as someone else, as another human being with, like, their own thoughts and emotions and feelings and life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It seems, it seems really hard, I think, for most people to understand this. Because, of course, the second... That you think about that other person, you 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 are able to put yourself into their shoes, and you know that if you were woken up in the middle of the night, that you would feel angry and tired and you know not thinking straight. So you just wouldn't do it because you know you know how it would feel, mm. you know. Whereas mm. of course, if you don't have that, it, it doesn't even come into your head how the other person feels. Mm. <laughs> Can I ask a follow-up question about this? Yeah, of course. Do you do you believe that uh, empathy is a skill that everyone can learn and <laughs> make themselves be better at, like being an empathic person? Yeah, 
here's the thing. I don't know if we'll ever know this. Um, I've had this uh, discussion <laughs> with quite a few clients as well because some people say, oh, they, they, they do have empathy, but they choose not to. Um, and other people just say, oh, no, they haven't, and that's that, you know. So I don't know about this, of course. I don't know. I don't. We have no way of going into somebody's brain and working out, okay, are you choosing not to have empathy or, you, you know, are you, do you just not have it? Because um, I think normally with, with children, um, they sort of learn to have empathy by about nine. That's more or less the, the average age, I think, when, you know, you finally realise that if you, you know, uh, throw a stick at somebody it's going to hurt them so and you've been hit by a stick yourself so about nine years old you learn oh I'm not going to do that anymore because that's going to hurt them and then that makes me feel bad because I've hurt them you know um so but of course narcissistic people they don't seem to cotton on to that mm, mm. So. Okay. I was yeah. thinking, what about if then we don't think about narcissistic people, but people in general, so let's say that there are um, like two people who don't have NPD. Can you say that can a healthy person like kind of practice their empathy skill and make it stronger, stronger? Yeah, I would, I, I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I would hope so, because of course children, if, you know, children are a bit more selfish, aren't they? Of course, um, and I suppose with time, you know, by the time they're teenagers, they're less selfish, and of course, by the time they're eighty, you know, adults, um, then they're not as absorbed in themselves. Um, so, yeah, I suppose it does take a little bit of practice. I just don't know how. I don't know. Mm, mm. I don't know how much is dependent on your personality, your upbringing, what you're naturally innately have. Mm. You know, who knows? Okay. What do you think? <laughs> uh, do you I think I, <laughs> I I would have to research this, and I was thinking. Uh, but when I I I had a podcast recording with one one professional, and she said that yeah, empathy is a skill, and you can you know practice it. But but like of course. Like some people have it more and some people have it less. Mm -hmm. And uh, she said the same thing about when we were talking about narcissist and narcissistic people in general, that she said that there is no way to, yeah, like you said too, there's no way to look at someone's brain and say like, like spot, like, okay, this person, there is no lack, like there is no empathy kind of, you know, um, empathy, I don't know, some, some, specific spot in the brain that deals exactly. with exact like only empathy and then you could spot yes. like okay that person doesn't have it and the other yeah, person exactly. has because it's much more complicated than that but she yeah. she believed that yeah you can like kind of train the empathy skill but but uh yeah people have different levels and mm -hmm. levels of empathy because also i think with empathy it has to come from a feeling so yes, whilst you could teach it potentially, so somebody would learn to do the right behaviors, mm. but it wouldn't it wouldn't come naturally from them. Mm, yeah, that that is a great point. Yeah, and that so, makes yeah. me think that makes me think that uh, I I talked with with uh, it was Doctor Daksha that I talked with, and she said we were talking about uh, like recovering, like can a narcissist recover from NPD? And she said that well, 
uh, and she treats people with NPD and she said that, well, uh, we often, like what I have noticed that it is possible to change the behavior by teaching them like kind of like healthy and respectful behavior and healthy forms of emotional regulation so they can regulate their own like like problems and stuff in a healthy way but then she said that like it's very hard to fix the kind of their um you know damaged sense of self that even though her clients have reported that they don't for example anymore act in a entitled way or they don't anymore gaslight they don't anymore project their negative emotions onto someone that much but they still have this either it's uh, like empty feeling inside or that they still feel like that their sense of self is not like like uh, so Able. yeah robust is that the word robust yeah. or something yeah. or developed or something like that so she she also like talked about uh kind of that you are able to yes you are able to learn those specific behavior stuff but then it doesn't come that naturally exactly and that's the thing with empathy because it's not empathy is not really a behavior is it it's something that we feel mm. <laughs> we have it within us yeah. yeah it's a bit like teaching music um if people can't hear that something's out of tune you know is that possible to teach I don't think it is. Yeah. You either have the ear for it to hear it's out of tune or you don't. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. Uh, let's go to the third question. I am living with a narcissist right now. What are some of the signs that I can... Uh, so the third question is, I'm living with a narcissist right now. What are some of the signs that I can look out for that indicate he's about to experience a narcissistic injury? I guess what I'm trying to ask is what causes narcissistic injuries? Maybe if I know the cause, the signs will be easier to spot. Mm -hmm. And this, of course, is impossible again to answer because we, we can't read the narcissist's mind. So we have no idea what's going to trigger them. Um, we have no idea what narcissistic injury they, they're sort of feeling. Um, so whatever we say, something silly that we say, it could then they'll take it as a criticism or that we're mocking them um, or they'll be humiliated. But we'll never know because we're not inside their brains. Mm. <laughs> you know, so, you know, f for example, if somebody has a thing about being stupid, you know, whatever you say, then they'll, oh, you're saying that to make me feel stupid. They'll take it as an attack or a criticism of them, you know, not being so intelligent. Whereas actually you were just saying, oh, you know, something completely <laughs> normal and not, you know, not, not critical at all. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, it's impossible to, to know really because everybody has different issues, if you like, yeah. um, that will trigger them you know yeah so. we we um like uh elijah wrote an article about this recently and um he basically said that uh like the like narcissistic injuries usually they occur when like the narcissist doesn't get enough narcissistic supply and again this this could be like this could sound like a little bit like very broad answer which is which 
and that is true. It is very broad answer because if you think about narcissistic supply, it's the validation, admiration, power, control, attention, what the narcissist gets from their external environment, and then they can use that to build their uh, the, uh, their positive self perception, perception, yeah. sense of self. It's yeah, <laughs> easier <yeah>. word. <laughs> positive <laughs> sense of self, and yeah. maintain that. So as soon as they don't get that anymore, they're like, let's say someone is gray rocking them. They don't mm. get the validation. They don't get their reaction. They don't. They try to bait their partner, and the partner is just gray rocking them because they have learned that okay, best way to deal with this is just to gray rock. That could cause a uh, like very big narcissistic injury. And we actually we did a study with our. We have a like uh, email list for people who want to. Mm, like join to the email list and then we send them survey questions and then we add those into articles and we try to ask people like what were the biggest kind of narcissistic narcissistic injuries that you noticed that the narcissist in your life uh, mm -hmm. like experienced and we found seven examples and uh, mm -hmm. like you already mentioned few of them but like they were usually when the narcissist got humiliated somehow yeah. that caused of course like a narcissistic injury and yeah. then you also mentioned the criticized so if someone even constructive criticism that could cause a narcissistic injury because in narcissist own head they are like i'm not someone who makes mistakes for example yes exactly and even going against what they think is right because then they're they're very right or wrong aren't they black or white thinking Mm, so even mm. if you were to say something against what they believe, mm. then they can take that as well. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That was a good ad because that made me think that uh, because they are so black and white. And uh, like if you think about narcissist uh, perception of themselves, it's, it's uh, deep down inside they feel weak, insecure, unlovable, that they are not enough and they are worthless. So then if someone gives them constructive criticism, that can uh like cause them to think okay that means i'm nothing that means i'm yes. like i'm not able to do anything of course they don't usually show that unless yeah. uh covert narcissists could then use the situation to victimize themselves say something like well i just tried i tried my best but nothing is ever good enough like i'm never good enough with this or nothing you always find the negative and you always have to point that out to me even though if it was constructive so constructive criticism so covert narcissists could turn that into very like victimized uh, situation yeah. where then they expect you to then soothe them help them <laughs> like yeah, yeah. get yeah. over <laughs> with the situation even though you try to give constructive criticism but it never going to work but other types of maybe the narcissist in your life won't show like won't won't show like uh won't self victimize themselves in this situation but but still try to remain kind of grandiose and not show that they uh that they hurt their ego but yeah so the uh so i said when they get humiliated when they get criticized and then third one was when they get minimized somehow I, that yeah. that was that was two and then when they get ignored or overlooked so for example the gray rock could be like if you do yeah. gray rock with them and then when they get invalidated when they get mocked 
And then also when they are held accountable for their actions. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. Mm, so, so, so those, and then there was like something else, like uh, I don't remember now, but those seven were the ones that all the time popped out. Like we noticed a pattern that all the time those those seven things yeah, came up. Yeah, yeah. that's really good that you're doing that. That you have <laughs> your own little research, you know. <laughs> Um, pot of people that's great yeah yeah we we really like to do we do our often like surveys like all kinds of surveys but yeah, yeah it's it really gives you kind of insight like when you read about this stuff and when elijah writes about this stuff and then we actually ask people and then we can see that they actually match and then then uh it gives you we're we're very good understanding yeah. of of things and narcissism in general so yeah, yeah. So how do people actually get onto that then? How do people participate in this? Uh, we always have like, uh, let's say someone is reading our article, we always have links that, hey, click here if you can, you you can join to the email list. And now that I've been, this is actually the first time that I mentioned these surveys in podcasts. So now I'm going to link to the podcast notes, uh, right. notes people. So be, uh, I'm going to link the uh, e like the link to the page where they can sign up to be the survey participant in the podcast knows okay that's, yeah, that's more okay, clear yeah. <laughs> but yeah yeah mm -hmm. that that way but we usually have it all over our our articles that people can find and also on, if you are on our website there is uh the footer of so it, all the way bottom to the website you can see there are a bunch of links so there is like survey survey participants i think mm -hmm. um, but it might be there Thing. Oh, but good. yeah, mm. that's that. Then let's go to the fourth question, and that is uh, The narcissist in my life always complains how we are not close enough. But then, if I do try to come emotionally closer to him, he withdraws, shuts down, or refuses to talk. I have pointed this out to him, but he denies it. I would like to understand why they do this. Uh, claim to want to be intimate with me, but then withdraw when I do try to be intimate with him. Is he manipulating me or is he incapable of being intimate with me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, incapable. Uh, the first thing I notice here, um, the narcissist man always complains how we are not close enough. So that's criticism, isn't it? It's putting it down critical. Yes. Um, so that's my first observation of that. Um, I think that the usual way for a narcissistic individual to relate to someone is through exploitation. So either lying, bullying, coercion, um, intimidating, all to get their own needs met. Um, so of, yeah, um, with the lack of empathy as well, it's impossible to truly love someone else and connect with them on an intimate level. Um, it can't be done without, if you don't have empathy, it's just impossible, <laughs> you know? Um, mm -hmm. So I'm thinking here, you know, I don't know if, you, if you've ever hugged a narcissistic individual. <laughs> Sometimes this is just my own personal experience. Um, I've hugged a narcissistic individual and it's like hugging like a rock or a stone. Mm. There's no um, feeling behind it, you know. Um, it is, it's just like hugging a stone. 
that's that feels really bad to say that but it's they, there's no emotional anything in that hug do you know what i mean uh well actually i know no i i i really feel that like i can i can feel that because um usually when you try to connect with someone let's say you try to connect with someone with words you say something nice or the other person says something nice to you sometimes at least the way i am i like to kind of then add something to to that as well like either like touching your hand or holding hands or the hug or something like that that kind of reinforces the the words or you know or if you are like making let's say you are doing like behavior that shows your feelings towards someone let's say if someone gives you a gift usually it's followed by a hug or well not of course not of course like always but i'm just like the way i usually feel like this and there was one incident where um i have like a narcissistic mother and she said uh it, it was on my graduation party and she um uh, on on front of everyone i had confronted her about her behavior um like one month ago like one month before my graduation party and didn't go well <laughs> so <Okay. laughs> do not oh. do that <laughs> but um yeah so it didn't go well and um but then when I had the graduation party and all my family relatives were there, then she apologized to me, gave me like a public apology. And it was like, I, I, I started like crying a little bit because I was like, oh my God, like she's saying all these things to me. And then I tried, like I just explained that, that those words, they were important to me. And I tried to get the kind of the reassurance by my behavior. So I took her hand and I like hold her hand, but then she pulled away the hand. So it, it was very confusing situation because while she was kind of talking to the audience, but not to me because she wasn't, she was unable to like hold my hand. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that is like, oh. that was very intimate. That yeah. could have been very intimate situation, but it turned very cold instead. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. <gasps> yeah. yeah. So I do, I do understand what you meant that if you hug them, then it, it kind of feels cold. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It is, yeah, I just know that literally like like giving a stone a hug, there's just no, there's nothing that comes back from them. You know, mm. yes, they put their arms around you, yeah. but it, it's not, it's not a proper hug, I don't know. Yeah. So, but yeah. the question like is like, uh, do they, like, is he manipulating me or is he incapable of being intimate? So what I think, but... I'm not a professional so I'm like this is just what I have heard and the way I have re- like I have read about this stuff and um yeah a little bit my own experience as well is that I think it's more that at least on some my my guess is that they are incapable of being intimate like because it triggers I don't know it triggers their their like suppressed negative emotions feelings and thoughts because being intimate also means that you have to be vulnerable and exactly. they are they very good at trying to suppress their vulnerabilities. They don't yes. want them to come up. So all those small intimate situations are also those moments where someone could see their vulnerabilities and exploit them because that's what they fear also. Yeah, because I agree. I think they are incapable um, of being intimate. Um Yes, just again, because of their lack of empathy, you know, they just can't do it. 
Um, and I think, yes, they do have that fear of it um, because they just don't know, they don't know what to do. You mm. know? There's probably as well a fear that, you know, if by being intimate with them, then you might get to see the real them and that might scare them as well. Because mm. um, mm. of course they would have to be a little bit vulnerable to allow that situation to arise. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Then I actually, and then I, uh, it was with Dr. KP in one podcast episode, episode, I asked her that do narcissists crave kind of deep connection with another human beings, mm. like another, another people, uh, even though it's, you know, if you look at their behavior, you said you would say that no, <laughs> like mm, they, yeah. they are very abusive. They could be very abusive towards others and emotionally and in emotionally and in many other ways also abusive. So why would someone want to seek connection if they behave like that? But I asked that and she said that she believes that yes, Uh, narcissistic people they do crave connection uh, like deep connection and being intimate with others but they don't have the skills and this and then she also she like and this is important to say again here it's not an excuse for their bad behavior that like it never is but she just believes that that's how it is that they don't have the tools they don't they are so you know they have so so many own issues that they haven't solved they have just suppressed them under their grandiose sense of self and that they maintain with narcissistic supply so it's like yeah. and so like the like in, people with NPD they in the first place they don't see that there is a problem so it's it's very hard for them to kind of eliminate the or it's very hard for them to get to the root of their negative emotions start to process them and then they would be able to maybe be very intimate with someone yeah yeah, yeah. I think as well, they probably, um, their way of going about that intimacy perhaps is to, you know, find as many followers on Facebook or whatever. That maybe gives them their sense of satisfaction if they've got lots of followers or they're very high profile. Um, so it's sort of looking in the wrong places for that validation, I suppose. Mm. Mm. You know? Yeah, that that is a great point. Yes. Yeah. But again, I don't know if when you give a narcissistic individual, if you give them a hug, do they actually feel that warmth? I don't know if they do. Mm. You know, I don't know either. It's a bit like I suppose I'm sorry to hark on about this hugging, but it's a bit like how it's a bit like having a hug from a human being and a robot. There's a difference. Mm. A robot would just physically put the robot's arms around you, but you wouldn't feel like you were having a hug because it's a robot. There's no uh, humanness behind it. There's no there's no love behind it. It's just the physical arms are around you, but it's not the same, is it? Yeah, no. yeah, that's a good point. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what that bit is, but it's just missing. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is just love and it's that humanness, mm, mm. if that's even a word. <laughs> Let's go to the question number five, and that is, uh, my narcissistic ex has found a new supply. Should I warn him about her behavior or is it just going to backfire on me? I have heard many people say not to warn the supply because the narcissist probably already manipulated them into hating you. Is this true? Do narcissists try to discredit us so we can't expose them? Mm -hmm. 
Yes, I would say no, definitely don't get involved in anything. Don't do anything. It's nothing to do with you. Um, yes, don't don't be saying anything to anybody. Um, although your heart is trying to help someone else and save them from pain, the other person has to go through it and experience it themselves. Um, because they have to learn for themselves that this person is an indivis a narcissistic individual um, by simply telling them that, that they're not going to learn that or believe it. They have to know for them for themselves. Um, we can't rescue everybody. <laughs> so uh, as well, imagine if somebody had told you when you first met this person, you would have been the same. You wouldn't have believed them. You know, it's just something that you have to learn for yourself, really. So... Mm. It so, sounds to me as oh sorry, uh, yeah sorry continue yeah so, sorry it, um this as well it sounds like triangulation here um there could be a bit of this um by having um a new partner um so if if the ex partner were to go to get involved in that it'd be a bit too many people in there it'd be it would almost give the narcissistic individual the perfect triangulation um, opportunities, <laughs> you know, oh, look at my ex, you know, they're still a bit mad and they still want me and all of this stuff. Um, yeah, it would be too dangerous, I think. So, yeah, I would advise just to run, get away from it all, just cut contact, cut everything and move on as quickly as you can. <laughs> mm. you know? Yeah, that is a good point that if you do reach out, uh, first, you don't know what has been this, like, you don't know what the narcissist has said about you already to the new supply and that it can uh, give the narcissist more narcissistic supply that they can then, you know, use, they can either prove their own point by saying, yeah, did you, like, like I said, my ex is crazy and now you can see that they are reaching out to me. So, you know, I'm yes. like, uh, I, I was right. And, uh, but why do you think they try to discredit you it's just i think just a way of putting you down and maintaining their higher position mm, yeah so they don't want to mm. they don't want others to see who they really are and they want to maintain the grandiose sense of self and that yes, they are that, that the they were right person. and they're they're quite perfect and you know it was all the ex's fault that's why it all went wrong Mm, you know nothing mm. to do with them because they're pretty perfect mm, yeah but i do have heard like i think anyone who is kind of in this situation like this person who is asking this person they really have to think carefully what are the consequences if they do for example decide to warn warn the new supply because one is that you get you can uh you get sucked into the conflict again with the narcissist mm -hmm. and uh it can cause you a lot of negative emotions and all the memories come up again all like it can cause you a lot of negative uh, like yeah. uh, feelings and stuff like yeah. that but i do have heard that let's say some uh, i heard that one one woman said to me that the previous girlfriend did reach out to her about the narcissist and she yes she didn't believe it but yeah. she remembered that when she did start to notice, you know, the narcissistic behaviors and the abuse kind of started, the devaluation phase started, then she remembered 
that oh this person also they did reach out to me yes. but uh she think and she thinks that it maybe helped her to leave earlier she didn't leave immediately but yeah. she often thought about it that okay this person they said the same thing yes and uh it kind of was like more like in like is it enforcement to the decision yeah. to leave Yes, exactly. It validated her feelings. That was good. So that I suppose that she must have had a good, or they must have had a good relationship, just on whatever that person says to warn them. Um, yeah. Like, obviously, like the way they said it and worded it, it must have, you know, gone really well with the person. Yeah. Like, like you can never know. Like you can never know. Like what is like like let's say you are in the situation and you want to warn them you need to understand that okay the response can be anything the response can be that their uh, the new supply is going to you you know say hurtful things to you even though they don't know you but because they just know you through the narcissist they have yeah. heard about you or their response could be like just total silence they maybe see it and or it could be very like neutral like okay and then you have to just like I think if you do want to warn, then you have, should do it in very neutral way and in a kind of just say to yourself, okay, I'm just going to do this and then I'm not going to continue like interacting in this situation. Then I'm going to withdraw and then I'm going to stay away. But then I, at least I warned, but yeah, it's, yeah. there are, there are many things to think about and you have to think about all the risks you have to think ahead and, you know, like, I, for example, I would also consider like, does the narcissist, even though they have moved on to the new supply, do they still have mo a lot of control in my life? Do they, for example, know, let's say my boss very well, right, then I, yeah. then I wouldn't maybe do that because they could get like very angry and do something evil back to you. Yeah. Or do they, do they some, are they like, let's say I have a narcissistic ex who like my mother just admires and yeah. <laughs> like something like that. And my mother is blaming like me that like, what did you do that the relationship ended? Like th that person, the narcissist was so perfect and it was so nice. And yeah. like, you know, if, if the, if your own mother has become kind of flying monkey or at least enabler, then I again would consider, well, do I really want to then again hear my from my mother, like if the yeah. narcissist then reports back to the mother, like all mm -hmm. kinds of stuff, like you have to really mm -hmm. think carefully through. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as well, really, it, I think once you've left, then I just don't think to get involved in the next person, really. It's not, you know, have you heard of the saying, not my circus, not my monkeys? <laughs> Yeah, I have. Yeah. You know, and I think that's so true. Like, no, it's not your circus. It's not your monkeys. So just leave it as it is. Mm -hmm. Of course, maybe if it's a sort of a an acquaintance, maybe that you've seen this person from the same street or something, you might want to say, oh, you know, just very, very gently, oh, be careful. You know, mm -hmm. if you need any help, I'm here. Or I don't mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. Just to gently put something in, but without saying, oh, he's a crazy person and yeah you know because yeah. then it can come across as you being a jealous crazy person <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe maybe even avoid using like like avoid saying hey he or she is a narcissist exactly. you know avoid the word but just say yeah. something like in general like hey like um just just be 
careful and uh you can reach out to me any yeah maybe maybe that maybe i could go with that that i could say i would say something like you can reach out to me if you ever need to and uh well that is like that would be a huge red flag for me if i like get into a new relationship (laughs) and then someone reaches out to me and says like hey you can reach out to me if you ever need to i would be like what and i would want to know more but but um yeah i would avoid calling out anyone or narcissist because first of all nobody of us like i mean you can or i'm not sure how how it goes but like if you're not a mental health professional you mm. can't <laughs> diagnose anyone so. not. no i can't diagnose and i try not to because i think the word narcissist is being just used all over the place at the moment so everybody's suddenly a narcissist and that's that so i try because i can't diagnose narcissistic personality disorder so i try to always call them narcissistic individuals mm. i haven't ever called it well, i have probably i try not to ever call anybody a narcissist mm. um i always say narcissistic individual mm. yeah. <laughs> for that very reason because yeah it is just very common usage at the moment sadly <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but yeah i think i think uh if in doubt, I think I you stay away there. Yes. <laughs> not my circus. <laughs> what was it? Not my circus, not my monkeys. Exactly. Yeah. Like if in <laughs> doubt, if there's too many like risks, if they're like, just, just stay away. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's not my monkeys, not my circus. That's what it is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's not my monkeys, not my circus. That's yeah, what it is. I was thinking which, which <laughs> way it was around. Like I didn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay. oh, I need to go back and delete that but no not my <laughs> not my monkeys not my circus <laughs> great so yeah. hey today we had some great questions and great answers so I want yeah. to thank everyone thank for listening to this episode and thank you Lucien for answering all these questions today thank you yes thank you I always enjoy these little chats honestly thank you <laughs>